0: So if you will please turn to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 as we look at verses 9 through 22 we'll be finishing up 2nd Timothy today and we'll move to Titus next week so again I encourage you to be reading ahead and studying ahead with that and then when we finish Titus in November we will begin a study through the Mount of Prophet Joel and so I encourage you to begin looking and preparing for that one as well. Before we go to the word today, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help. Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we pray, Lord, that you would help us with it because we are weak and vulnerable. We are vulnerable to the lies that we tell ourselves, even, that we are uh, fine without your word, that we are even have authority over your word, or we can somehow create you in our own image. Um, all of these things are lies, and we need help with them, Lord, because they are normal for us at times. We will reject your word, and we will replace it with our own. And so, Lord, we pray that you would convict us of our sin, that you would lead us to the truth of your word, that you would use it to strengthen us as individuals, use it to strengthen us as your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as I read these words from Paul, uh, this is the last words that we have recorded of him in the New Testament. Um, he may have written other things, but this is his last entry into the New Testament. Uh, and it made me think about how one should leave well and how one should finish up their, whatever it is they're doing and do that well. Um, since I've been in the ministry, it made me think of the two churches that I've been a part of. And I've, Since I've been in the ministry, I've been in two churches in a full-time uh, way, and, I've all, and I left those two churches. Obviously, I'm, I'm here with you all this morning. The first church we were at was in New Albany, Mississippi. We left there in 2008, and uh, sad to say that I did not leave that church well. Uh, we weren't happy for various reasons. Uh, I wanted nothing more than to leave, and I didn't really care about any of the relationships that I had built there. The church even gave us, and I've told some of you guys this story, but they gave us a going-away dinner where they honored us for our time there, and then they presented us with a cake, and the cake was half-eaten. We didn't even know what it said on it. And to me, that kind of became the symbol of my time there. I, I bottled that up rather than just ignoring it. Uh, I tried to say goodbye to as few people as possible because I could only just look to the next step in my, in my journey. I was essentially burning every bridge that I could, walking away, kind of like the action hero, walking slowly away from the explosion, right? Uh, in my youth, I thought that I was doing the right thing. We moved to Maryland, and I did not look back. Uh, the time would come where I would leave that church as well. And less than five years later, which is really no time at all if you think about it, I had a decision to make about how I was going to leave that church when I did as well. And so in our text today, Paul is leaving, He's not leaving his church or his hometown, but he's leaving this life for the next. He knows that his time is coming to an end. He knows that these words that he's writing will be some of his last. And so he's making them count. Paul left this earth well, as well as anyone could hope. Why did he do that? Well, because he longed for the next life. But even though he longed for the next life, eternity with Jesus, he knew that he was leaving people behind who loved him, who loved the church, who cherished his life. His example still stands for us today because he chose To leave well, rather than waiting at the Bible bus stop in his pajamas, just waiting for the bus to come get him. He left well. He worked until the end. We leave lots of things in our lives, if you think about it. We have these big leaves that all await us or are in our past, like leaving home to go to college. That was a big leave. Or leaving You're for your first job and starting that up or then leaving your first job and going to a second one or or leaving mom and dad and getting married or leaving your career altogether and being retired or losing loved ones. We all have these times where we're leaving things behind. And there are just the smaller everyday types of leaving like leaving for work each day or leaving to go on vacation or, or leaving one hour behind for the next for that matter. It causes us to think about the choices that we make as time goes by in our lives. We see our lives, or we can see our lives, as a function of just simply waiting for the next thing, which I don't think is very good. Just trying to get through each phase of our lives until finally we leave this life. Or, another option, we can live this life, we can live it fully in each stage leaving everything that we do and and leaving everything well, everything that we touch. We leave it better than we found it. Well, Paul has a lot to teach us in this regard in this text, which consequently are his last words, again, to Timothy and then his last words to the church. So as we consider his legacy, I want to look at the things that he asked Timothy to bring with him when he was to come visit him, and those will be my main points today. First, Paul requested Mark because he valued people. Paul requested his books because he valued learning. And then Paul requested Jesus, the one who stood by him. And so with that, we'll look at the text for 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Let's stand together in the honor of the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greek Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained in, at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Ubellus sends greetings to you, as do Pundins and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So again, as our last time in 2 Timothy... We're basically coming to an end of Paul's ministry. Uh, we're going to start Titus next week, which kind of has us backtracking a little bit. As I, as I read through this passage, I realized he's sending Titus somewhere. Well, in the next book that we look at, we're going to be looking at his letter to Titus. Uh, but it does help us to look at this at his ministry, I think, in this way, because it's an interesting uh, look at how he does things. He has a group of very prominent, very competent men and women by his side, and he's raised up leaders of the church in these folks, and he's done so very well. However, this process hasn't been without its bumps along the road. There have been relationships that have fallen out, churches that are already walking away from the faith that he had first taught them. It just highlights for us that Paul is not perfect. I'll say that again. Paul Isn't perfect. So as we look at his life, remember that he was a sinner. He was very aware of that fact, even though sometimes we forget. I think we forget to that when we look back at his ministry. We want to maybe do things the way he always did them. Well, sometimes he messed up. There were times that he made wrong decisions. Obviously, the words recorded in Scripture are all correct, sure, but the life that he led was right turns and wrong turns, a bunch of them. And so, only one man lived without mistakes, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's remember that as we consider the life of Paul. Paul isn't an example for us to follow, necessarily, but there are principles from his life that we can learn from. We have to be careful that we're not following the man Paul, in other other words. So first, let's look at the point, Paul requested Mark because he valued people. So notice there in verse 9, Says, do your best to come to me soon. He wants Timothy to come to him soon. He knows that his life is soon going to end. He doesn't know for how much longer he has, but he knows that he will not be leaving Rome alive this time. He's left once before. He was there uh, on house arrest for a time, and then he left to do other ministry. And he was finally arrested there in Troas, as we read in this passage. He, that's where he left his cloak apparently, um, and so he's back in Rome. The next time he leaves, it will be to go through the pearly gates, and so he knows that he is not leaving bodily ever again. Then he then he gives Timothy this list of people that he's interacted with over the years, and he and he. It's interesting some of the different things that he tells Timothy here. He says first Demas, and well, Demas is one that has left him, deserted him. For the present world. It says, In love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas is actually mentioned in other books. He's mentioned in Philemon. He's mentioned in Colossians. And in in these books, he's mentioned as being one of the team. He's mentioned as being one of Paul's workers. One that is working in the gospel. And since then, he has walked away. This has to be a sad thing for Paul, writing this. Well, look at some of the other names, Crescens and Titus and Tychicus. They've all left as well, but what are they leaving to do? Presumably to do the work of ministry. These are good things for Paul. These are men that he has discipled, and now they're continuing his work, and guess what? They'll continue it after he leaves. We have evidence of that. And so these are, these are good things for Paul. And then we have Luke. It says that Luke is with him. Think about this for a minute. Luke and Paul together wrote more than half the New Testament. And there they were together. Maybe they were, maybe even with Luke, putting some of the stories of his gospel together then. He and Paul talking together about things. They would have shared stories. It must have been fabulous to have been there with them. And then we get Mark. He says, bring Mark with you. Well, turn with me to Acts chapter 15, if you will, please. Acts chapter 15, this, these words, bring Mark with you, have some significance beyond just bring this guy to. Mark, or Acts 15, verses 36 through 41, and I'll read here concerning this story. You remember in Acts 15, they called a meeting of all the elders to come together and, and talk about some issues concerning the church. Well, Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to leave to go on their missionary journeys and here we have this this uh, event. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, "Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are." Now Barnabas wanted to take with, with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take him with them with uh, to not take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to, to the grace or commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So Paul and Barnabas have a little falling out over this guy Mark. Paul did not want Mark to come for the reasons that were listed, but Barnabas did want him to come, and so we're, we hear that there is a sharp disagreement. And we have no way of knowing who was right. Was Barnabas right? Was Paul right? We're not really, we're not really told. We want to assume that it's Paul, don't we? What may not be true, Paul could have been in the wrong here. We do know that Barnabas obviously saw value in Mark, uh, and we're glad that he did. Mark went on to write one of the four gospel accounts that we have. So Barnabas in some ways helped Mark and even saved Mark when Paul was ready to kind of kick him to the curb. And so now what does Paul want? He wants Mark by his side. So obviously they've been reconciled. Not only that, he says Mark is useful for him in the ministry. This is another great thing, right? Right? That there's reconciliation between brothers that it fell out. So what do we do with this? What do we do with these accounts of Paul's relationships? We even read another one about a, about a coppersmith that had done him great harm and he's warning Timothy. What do we do with these kinds of relationships and how do we process them? Well, in many ways, I think we can see that relationships that Paul's talking about here mimic some of our own. We have people that leave our lives for various reasons, some for reasons that make no sense, like Demas, in love with this present world, something that's fading away. He had heard the gospel. He had seen the power of the gospel. He had been with Paul in the missionary field. Can you even imagine what that must have been like to see Paul work and to see him in the missions and planting these churches and raising up leaders and churches just springing up all over the place? It would have been incredible. And for whatever reason, Demas left that for the present world some of them are good reasons right like the three that he sent to do ministry there's been so many people in my lives that I'll never see again except for when we get to glory because they are now ministering someplace else some because they were falling out they left like Mark left Paul because there was some sort of falling out between him and Barnabas well how are we to deal with that on a world that has fallen and continually dying, we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that we need the people of Christ around us more and more. Even though we'd like to think ourselves strong and capable and independent, we're really not. We come into this world clutching our mother's finger, and from then on, we need people in our lives. When we decide that we don't, what do we inevitably do? We sink in the darkness. Every single time. Show me someone who's decided he's not going to ever be around people or she's never going to be around people. I'll show you a depressed individual. People are the image bearers of God. The people of God do the very ministry of Christ in our lives. And we need that. Even when we don't know that they're doing it, we need them in our lives. Paul knew this. He wanted people near him. He wanted people to continue his work. Paul was suffering. He was lonely. He was afraid. He wanted people near him. It makes sense. There were some that were beyond his grasp, obviously, like Demas. There were some that he told Timothy to be aware of, like the coppersmith. But for the most part, he wanted people near his life, even those that he had to be reconciled with because of a previous falling out. And so, brothers and sisters, let us never forsake fellowship with others. It is tempting. It is tempting. As we move from place to place, group to group, to pick up and leave different folks, I think that's kind of the nature of life as we see it, as we grow. However, we are never meant to destroy those relationships, particularly with the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ, but we are to cherish them. They are something to behold. As Paul sat in that horrible Roman prison, he knew that he needed others. Even as a great apostle, he was lonely. He wanted the company of others. We aren't so great that we stop needing people ever in our lives. So let us endeavor to always find time and opportunity for fellowship as we are leaving this earth very soon, brothers and sisters. We need fellowship. Second, Paul requests his books because he valued learning. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, look at me, verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. This should excite any reader, particularly the reader of theology. I'd like to assume that all the books he was wanting were theology, not uh, first century novels or anything like that. Uh, He wanted his cloak because winter's approaching, obviously. And then he wanted the, the books and the parchments because he's a reader. He's a studier. We have no idea what these books and parchments were. There's lots of conjecture as to probably what they said. They could have been anything. However, with Luke, think about this for just a moment. Luke and Mark and Paul there with some books, which a book back then would have been a bunch of papyri kind of bound together, not like a book like you think of. This was way before uh, Gutenberg. So this was a a -a one-of-a-kind thing to have a book. Um, some parchments Uh, wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation as those three men writers of the New Testament were together talking about books and parchments would have been incredible but I think it shows that even Paul even as he was soon to leave the world he was on death's door they had told him he was going to be executed he was just waiting he didn't know when it was going to happen but what is he doing He is continuing to study. He has every intention to continue his studies. Even in his current conditions, which couldn't have been great, how much light did he have in that prison cell? Again, he didn't have a light switch. Did he just read by a candle? Did he read by the light that came through three hours a day? What did he do? That he wanted to read. It's incredible to me to think. I mean, there are some people that that choose the life of reading, right? I mean... If you choose to attend seminary, for instance, you have to love reading because that's exactly what you do while you're there. Um, so in that sense, we, we, get, we get Paul that he wanted to keep on reading. But how about up the rest for non-seminary students? I confess that though I've been to seminary, reading was not something I enjoyed. Most of the time I fell asleep with a book in my face uh, because th- those books are hard for me. I'd rather read a novel or board game instructions or something fun. Um, so what should we do? How should we continue our studies? Well, we read the words of other folks. We learn more and more. Does there ever come a time in our lives where we stop learnings so that we can just kind of coast in with the knowledge that we have? Hopefully not, brothers and sisters, lest our mind just kind of shrivel up and become nothing. Charles Spurgeon Great English pastor, he said this on this text, and this is a lengthy quote, but every bit of it deserves quoting. Um, and so I'm going to read from it. This is just this is great on on the concept of reading and how we should cherish that. It says this. He says we do not know what the books were, and we can only form some guess as to what the parchments were. Paul had a few books which were left, perhaps wrapped up in the cloak. And Timothy was to be careful to bring them. Even an apostle must read. He is inspired, and yet he wants books. He has been preaching at least 30 years, and yet he wants books. He had seen the Lord, and yet he wants books. He had a wider experience than most men, and yet he wants books. He had been caught up into the third heaven and had heard things which was unlawful for a man to utter, yet he wants books. He had written the major part of the New Testament, yet he wants books. The apostle says to Timothy, and so he says to every preacher, give thyself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read, and he who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. Spurgeon, not me. Brethren, what is true of ministers is true of all of our people. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and the exposition of the Bible. We are quite persuaded that the very best way for you to be spending your leisure is either to be reading or prayer. You may get much instruction from books, which afterwards you may use as a true weapon in the Lord or in your Lord and master's service. Paul cries, bring the books, join the cry. I love Spurgeon. Maybe I should just read his sermons every Sunday. That'd be great. Um, and So what's the word for us? We should never stop learning, particularly about our faith. Rest assured, the, the parchments and the books that Paul was asking for had something to do with, with learning about his faith, had something to do with learning that was going to further his ministry and his cause. And this isn't just for the ministers among us. This isn't just for the bookworms among us, but this is for all of us. And I appreciate Todd's testimony concerning the uh, R.C. Sproul book on prayer. Prayer. He said, it's a book that I can read. Well, I'm, I'm sure that Todd can read a lot of books that most of us can't even look at. Uh, however, that's a great start, right? I mean, it's get something that you can read and learn. There, there's tons of stuff out there now, particularly since we're on this side of Gutenberg. We have the printing press. There are books just wildly available. Our faith is too vast and too important for us to ever give up learning about it. We must endeavor to always soak up more so that we can give that much more. Spurgeon recommends the Puritans and commentaries. That's fine if you're into that sort of thing. I'd add to that the countless books that were designed for everyday folks on tough subjects like prayer, like the atonement, justification, apologetics, end times. All of these subjects that are very dense subjects have easy-to-read books about them. We can never. We should never stop learning when it comes to our Lord Jesus, and so let us never endeavor to stop. So lastly, Paul requested Jesus, the one who stood by him. So look with me at verses 16 through 18. Verses 16 through 18. He says that my first offense... So while Paul was in Rome, he would stand trial several times. You have to kind of understand what was going on there. They would bring him before the court. He would stand trial. They would convict him. They would send him back to court. Then they might bring him, or bring him back to prison. and they might bring him forward for his sentencing and all these different things were going to go on. And so during his first trial, it says he was alone. Uh, Dr. Ligon Duncan, who's the president of RTS Seminary, He brought up an interesting point concerning this. He said, Paul spent his entire ministry looking forward to the time that he would get to testify before the highest court in the land, before the highest person in the land, Caesar, where he would get to share Jesus at the court. And he did, but he was alone. Only two people know what was said. Two believers that we'll see in in glory perhaps know what went on in that trial. Paul and of course our Lord Jesus. He was there. Notice what he does. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7 real quick. There's something here that I didn't want to miss that I think is very important. Acts chapter 7 right there at the end of chapter 7 verse 59. Here's the stoning of Stephen. Speaking of sermons that should be read aloud, Stephen's is incredible. But look at verse 59. It says, And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And so there Paul stood approving of the execution of Stephen. Stephen says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Whose words were he echoing? He was echoing the words of our Lord Jesus on the cross. Was he not? And here Paul says those very same words. Even though there was no one here at my defense, they all deserted me, but may it not be charged against them. I think it's great that Paul, now on the doorstep of death, asked forgiveness for those who didn't stand with him. But there was one who did, and that was our Lord Jesus. Verse 17, it said, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. He stood by one. Now get this. Remember what we just read in Acts. Our Lord was there. Paul knew he was there. No one else saw him. But he was there. He stood by Paul even though Paul once stood against him. He stood by Paul even though no one else stood with him when he was arrested and when he was nailed to the cross. What did his followers do? They ran. They were afraid. He stands by us. He stood by us even while we were his cursed enemies. He stands by us even now and we reject him openly every single time that we sin against him. He stands by us and he says, I will not forsake you. You are mine. Brothers and sisters, though people may fail us, though all the learning in the world will only take us so far, our Lord Jesus presents us before the Father of heaven because of what he did for us. He presents us blameless because he went willingly and alone to his death. And no one stood beside him, not even his heavenly father. If anyone ever finished this life well, it was our Lord Jesus who did what he came to do and is still doing what he promised he would do in our lives. He finished well and he will finish each of us well because he's good, because he is our redeemer. We will finish well because he says he will complete us. Even though I burn bridges in my life and even though I make people upset, even though I don't do the things I should do, even though I'm going to leave this life ultimately worse than I found it because I'm a sinner, he will finish me and I will be in eternity with him because of what he did. So in conclusion, to finish my story about Maryland, I left Maryland well. I didn't burn bridges I left the ministry better than I found it. I have no regrets for my time there. I learned through the Lord's grace and his work in my life. God be the glory. But let us always keep the people of God close, brothers and sisters. Even as they come and go from our lives, let us endeavor to keep fellow believers close because we can't do this alone, nor should we want to. And let us never stop learning. The day when we stop learning is the day that we become inward and angry and we're no good to anyone, we're no good to the ministry. We are called to work the work of redemption in this community and it will take a sharp mind to do that. May the Lord go with us as we learn more and more. And so lastly, remember that the Lord stands beside us. He will never forsake us. Though He has every single reason to leave us, He won't. And more and more he'll make us to where we don't want to leave him. It's incredible. So let us finish well as we go on our lives that the church might be edified, that the Lord might be glorified. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you stood by us, even though even though we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive. We are thankful. We're thankful that you stand by us even now, even when we would, re- even when we would reject the truth of your word, when we would reject your commandments. You stand by us, and you are continuing to stand by us, that we may be more and more to be made like you. We are thankful, Lord. Help us to be more like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.